Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions in life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Reloscopes, the Relationship Science Insights podcast. I'm here today with Vanessa Antonio, who is a science-based dating coach and matchmaker uh, based in the Philippines. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to chat to you. Aditi, thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited with our conversation. Me too, me too. We're going to be talking about um, dating tips from a scientific perspective. So like the science, uh, evidence-based science as to how to go about um, your uh, kind of dating and that kind of thing. I'm very excited to hear it. Um, I My favorite kind of episodes are these ones. Um, but before I kind of go into that, uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself. I'd love to know more about what you do. So um, Aditi, as you have mentioned, I'm a science-based dating coach. I've started um, studying and researching about dating and relationship um, a little more than eight years ago when I was single. And um, I thought like, I have so many friends who are also single and I've seen like they're wonderful, they're successful in their careers, they're beautiful. And I was like, how come you... We couldn't find our, our love. We couldn't find our the one, right? So so usually when a person is single, they would ask for advice from other people who are single as well, or from their grandparents or their parents. And but most of, of the advice are coming from friends. But then I feel like those advice will be our like personal experience. And so I thought if we have been using science to solve some of the world's problem, if we have been if we have been using science to um, kind of um, improve uh, our our lifestyle, why aren't we using science to help us level up in things that are most important to us, which is which is a relationship, right? When you talk to somebody who's on their deathbed, like one of the things that they will really treasure are the relationships that they had when um, you know in their in their life, and so. If we can use science to improve a lot of aspects of our career and our lifestyle, then why don't we use the same thing and um, study human behavior so we can be better in relationships? Yeah, absolutely. What kind of science do you kind of look towards in kind of um, your going through your advice and formulating your advice? Right. So since I have been into um, psychology, so I took a um, consular and diplomatic affairs in in college. So that's mostly international relations. But um, that's not something that I really wanted ever since I've been wanting to take um, social psychology. So I've had an opportunity to pursue like a master's degree. And that time when I wanted to do social psychology, the university in the Philippines that I really want to study in, face it out the same year that I was enrolling. But... So I was like looking at their their course syllables and I was like, what is the closest to relationship or to studying human beings? And so they offer a master's in sociology and it makes mm-hmm. sense. Like if you want to study family, what makes people come together, um, it's going to be that. So I took a master's in sociology and um, after my master's, I've had the opportunity to work as a researcher in the United States. So when I was in the United States working as an analyst, I did um, took a course in, I, did, I take a course in Matchmaking Institute. It's a relationship science school in New York. And so um, they're the, the top um, institute that um, certifies matchmakers. So people who brings people together, people who, who helps people find love. And so I thought I have been running my company, Singles Events Manila, for a few years already. And I thought I want to do this professionally because we've been seeing couples being developed. 
out of those singles events. And so I was like, I would go for it. So I took that certification course. I'm the only certified matchmaker in, in my country at the moment. And oh. after that, I've just been curious about other relationship schools. So I did take a course also on the science of love from Dr. John Gatman Institute, who is the, the mm -hmm. premier um, institute for like find um, studying love and relationships. So that's just um, some of the things that I've done to like kind of like focus on the science of love and dating. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's so cool. The Gottman Institute comes up so, so often on our show. Like so many of our guests um, look towards them or listen to their podcast, um, generally just keep on top of uh, what they're up to. Um, I'm, again, cannot stress how excited I am for this episode. Um, but I guess uh, we have this segment called Have You Met Vanessa Antonio? in which I ask you a little bit about yourself and we get to know you a little better. Are you happy to answer a few quick questions? Sure. Fantastic. Uh, what is your favorite book? My favorite book would be Why Men Love Bitches. <laughs> okay. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good yeah. choice. I don't think yeah. I've read that one myself, but my, my reading list is quite long and I'm not going through it fast enough. So okay. ev eventually. <laughs> um, what about a favorite movie? Favorite movie would be Love Actually. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I, my, I love the um, uh, pr Prime Minister storyline, the Hugh Jackman one. That's that's my favorite. Yeah. Out of yeah. all of them. It's Sorry, did you have more to say about Love Actually? <laughs> well, yeah, okay, I mean, on. I just feel like it's a movie that makes people feel good and actually makes people feel that there's hope in finding love. So I like that. Can I also say a little bit about why I prefer, I like the Why Men Love Bitches book? Yeah, please, yeah. please. All us. right. So so I, there's actually two favorite um, books that I that I like. And although I've, I was able to review um, a lot of other books, um, books when I was growing up. I love Why Men Love Bitches because I read it when I was in high school. And uh, for me, it really helped me um, look at um, dating in a perspective that, you know, like by the end of the day, it's really like self-care. It's really like a woman putting her putting herself first and and make developing herself that would make potential mates value and love them more. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, for sure. Uh, what about a podcast that you have been listening to lately? So um, for the podcast, I really like um, interviews um, wherein my some of my um, favorite psychologists and our anthropologists are being um, interviewed, such as um, we have, I have previously, previously mentioned Dr. John Gutman, right? Um, also, any podcast that that interviews um, Dr. Helen Fisher. And um, so, but if there's one podcast that I would also recommend, it's going to be Dating University. And Dating University is a podcast that we run for the Philippines to help people become smarter and stronger in love. Okay, Dating University. Absolutely. Yes. We will 100% promote that one. <laughs> um, what about a famous role model that you had either growing up or currently? Okay, so um, this will not be like um, academic, but I feel like Beyonce, a lot of people love her because she's just a combination of talent and, and she's enigmatic and it's just, you know, the charm and the talent is there. So I really like um, her, the way that she's presenting herself to the world. I think as far as role models go, I don't think you can get much better than Beyonce to be, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> what about the last course that you completed? So the last course that I did is the science of love. And I took that during um, the pandemic. And um, that's that's being offered by the, the Gottman Institute. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'm really excited to learn everything that you've learned over your many years of experience um, so far. And we might move on um, to uh, the meat of our episode today, which is about dating tips and techniques based Kay. on science. Um, I wanted to start off very broadly. What is a relationship to you? So um, for me, a relationship is um, when you kind of find that something that um, 
builds on trust and acceptance. So a relationship happens when two people, or in some other instances, like three people, um, find um, comfort with one another and just like that, like that feeling of acceptance and trust is there more than with any other people. So that's how I kind of like define relationship. That's like um, that um, that thing that happens when two people find someone who they can they feel very comfortable with and they feel accepted and they trust the person fully. It's that it's that security um, with that's another that, person as well. Well yeah. said. That's right, Aditi. In your opinion, has a relationship, does a relationship still mean the same thing that it did maybe decades ago? So I feel like the, how people define relationship before and how people define relationship now is a little bit different. Um, relationship before that meant a lot of, uh, as you've mentioned, security. Like people would be um, getting married for for a lot of reasons, even not because of love, right? So you have you have like back back in provinces a long time ago, people would be choosing to marry because they want to go out of their family. They want to, you know, they want to f- um, find someone to kind of build a family with, even if they're not really in love. So it's just like that decision that I want to have, like, I want to, um, I want to fulfill my dreams of having a family. But I feel right now, um, relationship has evolved in a way that people are putting so much importance on finding someone that they really, that they're really in love with. So I'm not going to get married because, um, I want someone to provide for me financially. I will get married because I feel like I've connected with this person emotionally and this person is my soulmate. So putting the importance on finding that the one, um, and of course, globalization has made this easier, uh, made it uh, even more possible. Although it's harder now because you have so many options. You People get confused when we are overwhelmed with options, right? But, but that um, need to kind of just settle for someone that they're meant to be, not just anyone who's close to them physically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what 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 is dating then? How do you define dating? So um, I feel like dating also has evolved. So when we listen to our grandparents' story, and even when we listen to uh, people who are uh, mature already, when we talk about dating in the old times, it has so many weight in terms of, you know, if you go on a date with someone, there should be like a commitment already or like people will be saying, oh, you guys are already dating as if it's a big deal, right? But right now we are loosely defining dating as getting to know a person. So I could just be on a date with someone and go home the next day and not, have the need to talk about it because it's possible that you're getting to know like a, a few people at the same time. So it does not have that pressure that when you date someone, you have to marry them already. Unlike before that when you date someone, I mean, they're going to be some of the the um, the people that you might likely end up with. So yeah, for sure. So it's kind of just being able to enjoy a person's company that, that that's kind of what we're kind of looking for today yes yes that's how yeah. i would define dating right now yeah, for sure how much of a role does science play in dating so um for for dating and science like when you talk about like those two different concepts like people would not even find the link to it because we don't usually use science in dating um, we have this tendency to kind of assume that dating is a natural skill that everybody could date, that everybody has it, possess that skills. But I do believe that, that human beings are born with a with a natural skill to love, but we were not born with with that natural skill to date. So, mm-hmm. like for example, you would see infants falling in love with their mothers and their caretakers, right? But when we talk about dating, dating essentially is a social skill. So if you have not been socialized at a younger age, you would have no idea how to even interact with another human being. Maybe you are able to interact with them, but you are not able to maximize that 
that feeling of like closeness, be, being able to connect with them in the first few seconds that you interact with them. So I feel like um, considering the science aspect of dating would make people much more successful, not only in romantic relationship, but it's just like building rapport and just improving the quality of their interactions with other human beings. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of just those initial interactions and understanding how to go about them, how our brain works when we interact with other people yes. that can that can help um, improve the experience of dating. Am yes. I understanding that correctly? Right. I, and I love what you said, how the pe person's brain works, because usually, especially when it comes to dating, we are so into how our brain works that we don't even understand how does the, the man brain work? Like, do we think alike? And so yeah. if we recognize that there is a difference in how we think, we are able to connect with each other much more effectively because we are looking at the world the way that they look at it, not just how we look at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. How, what, are, what, what have you found um, in terms of, I'm trying to struggle to, to phrase this in a way that makes sense, but, but what, what, what does the science tell us? about dating? So what um, some of the scientists, and when I talk about scientists, we are listening to social scientists. These are anthropologists. These are sociologists and psychologists who have studied human beings. And we're not only talking about one, two, five people, 10 people. These are um, social scientists who have conducted studies to thousands of human beings, even across the world. And um, it tells us that um, by the end of the day, dating is, as I have mentioned, is a social skill. And if it's a skill, it is something that you can learn. So even if growing up, you don't know how to interact with people, how to make a person feel loved, how to become more attractive, you know, move more attractively, these things you can learn if you are listening to the right people. And when I say right people, I would highly recommend listening to social scientists, studying what they have found about human beings so that it could improve our chance on going on a second date or like finding someone who, who will be good for us. And what, what did the social scientists have to say? So there's so many things that they've um, learned about human beings when it comes to dating. But um, some of the, the the fun facts that I usually share yes. um, when when um, to, to our single um, listeners would be when you go on a date, you are likely to connect with your date better if you drink hot drinks than have alcoholic cold drinks. Do you know why? Why is that? No, I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Because um, scientists have found a link between our body temperature and how we relate with other people. So, right, right. for example, if I'm drinking like a like a hot coffee, imagine I'm holding a mug. So I'm holding a mug, and that warmth is transferring through my my hands. And when I consume it, it's just it's more warm than me having like an alcoholic drink, right? So. They said that you are likely to relate to another person warmly as well. So you converse with them in a in a, in a deeper level level in a sense that when I feel warm, I am likely to kind of transfer that energy and that kind of uh, relation to you. So you are also likely to feel warm towards me. So it's just finding the link between the body temperature and the things that I consume. So um, usually when, I, when when on a date, I would highly recommend for my for our single listeners to go for like a coffee or a tea than going for like an alcoholic um, alcoholic uh, night or, or afternoon, yeah. right? Or but if ever you decide to have alcoholic drinks, um, there's this also study that um, recommends having just one glass of wine, not okay. two not three. So if you ever want to have like an alcoholic night, have one red wine or white yeah. wine, because um, it's just enough to make you feel calm, relax your, your, your body, makes you feel grounded. And it shows a little bit of a flush on your skin. So it's not like, it's not too much that you're going to say things that you're not supposed to say on a first date, but it's just enough to put you in a mood that, hey, this is not work. 
I should not be thinking a lot, but I should be feeling more. So it's just yeah. like one of the 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 um, some of the findings of social scientists who was like trying to figure out how can we make our interactions better during dates. Yeah, for sure. Going back to, I guess, the body temperature thing, is that linked with how our mood can change with, you know, the weather and, and how cold our body is? Okay. I like I like how you are um, rephrasing this these statements, Adati. <laughs> you are actually right. So okay. even the weather, you know, like sometimes when you think about it, when people want to go on a honeymoon, where do they go? Do they go to the beach or do they go somewhere cold, right? Yeah. Because it's yeah. so usually we would go to the beach because it just affects our mood. So when we when we are in the beach, we feel more free, we feel more warmth, we don't feel as if we have to cover ourselves. You know, body language is a huge part of dating, right? And body language includes even the way you dress. So the way that you dress on a date is different um, from when you're dressing for a meeting, right? So if you're comfortable when you are on a date, um, like being able to say expose a little bit of skin and particularly like this neck, which is a very like a vulnerable part of a woman's body, right? But when a woman does that, it shows that they trust you. So so wearing something more comfortable, show a little bit of skin also like helps the interaction. Um, it helps the, the, I mean, it changes the, the conversation to this is not a corporate thing, but this is something where I can feel relaxed and I can feel safe and I can put down my guards, something like that. So it affects a lot of aspects of the weather and whatever we consume as affects our interaction with, with our um, dates. Right. So yeah. if you live in a cold country, um, don't go on a date in the winter. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing. <laughs> right. Or or um, that's why the, sometimes there's this also um, stereotype wherein, you know, like dating people who are coming from warm country, they're like more, they're like more warm and they're happier and all that. So I haven't really looked at if there's like, if there's a truth in it, but there's just that stereotype because it kind of like makes sense. It's easier to be happy with you when you're full of serotonin from the sun, right? Than being yeah. inside like at home and freezing and cold. So. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's very it's it's cold in in our part of the world at the moment. Um, so yeah. very much feel that right now. I don't, I don't feel not getting a lot of serotonin in my brain, <laughs> rugged up in the cold. Yeah. Um, what what are the kind of misconceptions around dating that you you want to dispel? Right. So um, one of the top misconceptions that I try to communicate with my clients is that notion that you have to play hard to get in order to make them fall in love with you. In contrary, according to Vanessa Edwards, she is a behavioral um, investigator and she has published um, two books on social interactions. Um, she found that emotional availability is the number one trait that makes us attractive to potential mates. And when you try to play hard to get, that's the, oh, the that's the total opposite of being emotionally available, right? You kind of try to like delay your replies, try to ignore their calls, try to talk to them as if they don't matter. But but if you really want a person to fall in love, um, it's the contrary. You have to show that you know you're the most amazing human being in the world. I'm available for you. I'm open to finding love. I'm happy to chat with you, interact with you. And um, this is one of the things that I I really like to to share to my audience, that it's not being hard to get. It's showing people that they have a chance and that you're open to to finding love. So so that's one. And in connection to that, there's this theory additive. It's called near exposure effect. So that mere exposure effect um, states that the more you you s spend time with a person, the more you you tend to like them more. So this is also the reason why we keep on buying the same brands of, say, for example, toothpaste, because we've been seeing them for a long time, maybe in ads and TV. And the more we see people and the more we see brands, the trust increases. So it's just like that. The more that I always spend time with you, 
the more I will trust you and I will see different aspects of your personality and they're likely to appreciate you more. So again, that's the opposite of being hard to get. When you're trying to kind of play hard to get, you try to kind of limit your interaction with that person. And although yeah. there's a there's a truth in that, like Robert Greene's Art of Seduction would teach you how to kind of like, you know, limit your your exposure. So so yeah. over familiarity does not happen, right? So just mm-hmm. finding the balance of showing that you are able to and you are happy to interact and connect with a person, but at the same time making sure that you do not get overexposed in a sense that they will, you know, try to ignore or value your presence more. So mere yeah. exposure effect also for those people who are watching, you can also do it online. Like just say hi, re- react to their stories, comments when comment whenever they post pictures, make them feel good. Basically, this is just one of the basic um, strategies based on science that you can do to make a person that you like, like you back. Yeah, I, whoever came up with the, um, uh, uh, the, oh, why is the name escaping me now? The hard to get, who even came up with that? Why Why is that a thing? I've never understood it. <laughs> it's never made which, sense to me. Hard to one? get, playing, playing oh, hard to get. Right. Yeah, who came up with that? I, I don't understand. <laughs> I know. So, so I feel like the hard to get, um, let's call it a theory, because that's like what yeah. they say, like when you, when you kind of, try to play hard to get, um, then the tendency of people, they will chase you, right? Although there's some sort of a truth in that, I feel like people are executing it incorrectly. Like Mm -hmm. being hard to get is not being unavailable. Being hard to get um, um, does not mean you have to be mean and and show it to their show it to their face that I am more valuable than you are. You know that's not hard yeah. to get. That's being mean. But but if you apply being hard to get correctly, and like one example would be like a a way to kind of I feel like a way to kind of interpret this um, hard to get correctly that will help you in your dating life is like setting like boundaries. So this is like showing that, you know, I treat myself well, I've worked hard so that I am able to say afford this lifestyle or I've worked hard to kind of, you know, self-improve. And if you treat me um, in a way that is lesser than I deserve to be treated, which is respect, kindness and love, that's when I'm ready to run. That's where I'm going to go. So that's like a strategy for for people who wants to play hard to get. If if they're kind to you, shower them with your with your presence. But if they're kind of thinking that they could get you by being mean to you, then definitely you have to be hard to get because they have to be a kinder human being in order to be in your presence, to be with you. I mean, it's also like it's also about valuing yourself right it's kind of like putting yourself first and understanding whether someone is worth your time and whether they actually respect you because i feel like it's true if they're being mean to you in that way then um do they really respect you and are you going to enjoy being in a relationship with them exactly and there there are concepts such as like negging and like a certain part of community would say, you know, go neg a girl because you're going to get her to bed. I was like, if if that is a woman who kind of like thinks and values herself, your negging will not work. Negging will only work with women who are like insecure and they're like, and we all have that insecurity in us, right? But um, negging will mostly work with, with um, people who kind of like don't know their worth and value. So in when I train people when it comes to dating, even if we talk about dating, it's really about self-improvement. And, and you know, um, because the moment that you self-improve, you are less likely to settle for crumbs. You know that you deserve best because you've been working hard every day to kind of transform yourself to be a better human being. And the science has shown that we tend to to fall in love with people who are like us. So if I'm a person who is like insecure and I have so many unhealed traumas, I am likely to to fall in love with a person who has that because I will see myself in that person. And when I see myself in that person, they will appear more attractive. 
That's why yeah. they say you got to work on yourself, level up, because when you're level up, you are also likely to identify or see yourself in people who have self-transformed and improved themselves. Yeah. Uh, amen to knowing your self-worth. I think that's so important, especially as women. We don't hear it. We don't, we, we say it all the time, but we just don't do it enough, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we we kind of lack the guidance to kind of like put it in a ground level. Like, what do you mean by self-improve? What do you mean by by knowing your value? What should you do? Like an example Aditi that I will will give is for women. For example, you're dating and you really like that guy. And um, one day they call you, but you feel like peeing, like you really feel like peeing. So now you're thinking, do I pee first or do I answer the call? What's gonna be your What's gonna be your pick, Aditi? My pick. I, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm sorry, but I gotta go. <laughs> Even if you really like the guy. Yeah. Well, I can just text him and let him know I'm not available at the time, and they can call back when I when I'm available. I, I mean, I I understand the temptation. I'm not gonna say I don't feel it. Uh, I definitely do. <laughs> but I think for me, I like. I'm going to be uncomfortable having that conversation if I'm not, if I got to go, you know, so I'd rather, I'd rather have the conversation comfortably. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. And that's just one of the many wherein you have to put yourself first, even if you're crazy over the woman or the man, you got to pee first, because if you don't, you might develop some sort of, I don't know, diseases and you're unlikely to find find you're the one. So this is a call for women to kind of like, don't just say love yourself, like kind of really think like what is an example of loving myself it's peeing when I feel like peeing even if he's calling it's um, <laughs> going to that conference even if he's inviting me to to go on a beach getaway so it's all yeah. about you know um, and that's part of it is also self-respect that even if I really like you even if I really love you I gotta take care of me so I can take care of you yeah, for sure. I, I just love the peeing analogy. I think that's a fantastic way to explain things. <laughs> so thank you. I'm glad that I, well I'm inherently done. someone who understands my self-worth. <laughs> yes, good. Good. <laughs> um, what, are, what are some kind of uh, strategies for navigating conflicts? Because they're going to come up in the dating stage. Yeah. There's going to be misunderstandings. How, what, are, what are the strategies for, for navigating those? Right. So so for conflicts in dating, I feel like it's because dating is a is a method for us to eventually find someone that we love and build a relationship with them. Right. So when we're looking at conflicts, it's very important that we kind of learn how to de-escalate them, if not avoid them. But it will mm-hmm. always happen. So the way to kind of um, one of the hacks that can help people who are dating or who are in a relationship to kind of manage that conflict, I believe is one of the strategies that was um, taught by the Gottman Institute. Um, Dr. John Gottman shared about um, this concept of five is to one ratio. What does that mean? For every, for for a healthy relationship to happen, um, for every negative experience or interaction that you have with your partner, you have to give five positive experience, five um, um, positive, say, interaction so that it will not take over your relationship. So, for example, and again, we know that conflicts, it's impossible to eliminate that. It will always happen. And even healthy relationships have conflicts, right? But remember that the, the negative experiences should not outweigh the positive experiences. One mm-hmm. is the one is not healthy. Like, for example, we fought right now and tomorrow we went on a nice like vacation or have a really sweet breakfast, right? It's not enough. If you've had some sort of friction in your relationship, you have to let your partner feel five times more loved or, or do things that will make them feel loved and rebuild that relationship. So it's that five is to one ratio if you want to keep a happy, healthy um, romantic relationship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, um, that's very true. I, I feel like uh, a lot of 
the dating kind of com conflict management can apply to pretty much any kind of relationship if because they yeah. always come up like you said conflicts are unavoidable we'll never ever be able to eliminate them but i feel like there are so many you know with your friendships your family just that basic idea of communicating with people is so so important right Right. And making sure that there are more positive experiences than a negative one. We can also mm -hmm. bring that down to, for example, dating, right? If you have to cancel a date and of, and of course you didn't, for example, you did not mean to, but you had to cancel that date. So that appears as a negative experience, right? Like, of course, your date will be disappointed. So one of the things that you can do to kind of let the person feel that even if I canceled it, you're still special to me is like, besides rescheduling, you could like maybe write a note, um, maybe give her like chocolate or flower or um, say like do an errand for them. It's just like these acts of kindness to kind of like level up and reinforce to, to let them know that you matter. So sorry is not enough. Like canceling mm -hmm. a date or rescheduling, sorry is not enough. Sorry is like, it should be said, but the things that will really make them feel that, you know, even if you've canceled it, I still matter is the gestures that you do, the positive gestures after rescheduling or canceling the date that will make them feel, oh, maybe he really didn't mean it. Maybe he really wants yeah. to see me. Yeah, that actions speak louder than words. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. What are some behaviors or traits that are usually associated with successful dating stories? All right. So one of the top traits that human beings are looking for in a potential mate, and this may not necessarily be the best character trait, but based on studies, this is a trait that is um, valued. It's the confidence. Why? Because when we meet someone who's confident, we tend to think that they have their their stuff together. We tend to think that they will be able to to um, produce more resources. We tend to think that they're able to solve more problems. When a person is confident, we tend to think that um, they are likely to, you know, fix relationship, then run away from relationship. And although it may not always be true, like you would see a lot of confident people who are not good in relationships, right? But this trait is something that we look for when we go out and find a partner. So this is also, this brings us to the importance of, of being able to improve yourself because confidence comes from knowing that you have the skill to do what you have to do, right? So there are people who are very good in their work and they're confident in their work because they know what they have to do. They know the required skills to kind of get it done. But there are some people who, who are so good in their career but are not confident when it comes to dating yeah. because that means that they're not really comfortable um, with their skills. They're not confident with their skills in terms of interaction. I don't know what to do if this happens. I don't know what to say if he or she texts me that. So if you really wanna be good in dating, it's really building that competence, building that um, skill so that you know what you have to do when dating happens. And when you know what you have to do when dating happens, that's what you call con dating confidence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. How do you tell the difference between confidence and, you know, like a huge ego or narcissism, for example? Right. So I, I would always look at it in terms of what is their effect to other people? So I feel like um, self-love is good, but narcissism is definitely not good because self-love is, I will have to take care of me. I will have to put myself first because I will have to make sure that I'm in my optimum capacity so that I can think better, decide for the family, take care of you guys. So it's like improving yourself so you could serve better and serve more. But narcissists is be like, it's just, I'm the best person in the world and it's just, everybody needs to serve me. And there's no genuine interest to kind of like serve people or make other people happy and make other people feel good. So again, self-love is good because you want to put yourself first so that you could love other people better. But narcissism is like just really, um, it's like all me and I'm the best and you deserve to serve me and all that. So it's all inward. Nothing is outward. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually a really great way of differentiating. So thank you for laying that out for us. And I feel I feel like I, I have so many more questions for you. I could, we could go on about this forever, but in the thank interest you, of time, no, fantastic. Um, in the interest of time, I might move on to um, our practice slash habit experiment debrief, um, where we talk a bit more about how we can you apply everything that we've talked about and put it into practice um, in some okay. way. Uh, so what is a practice that you do or you have recommended to other people to improve their dates? All right. So the first practice that I would recommend will be for men. And um, this practice will um, greatly benefit men, especially those who are trying to court someone or trying to find their potential mate. If you want to attract like a, a woman, uh, one of the things that you would have to um, kind of like emulate or kind of um, show and practice is that trait of generosity. And we're not only talking about generosity with money, it's generosity with your energy, you know, pulling that chair, opening the door, um, going um, one step uh, ahead of what your date might think or need. And it's also generosity with attention. So that means um, when I'm with you, I'm going to make you feel as if you're the most beautiful woman in the world and no one else matters, right? So um, we are so used to people taking from us that when we meet someone who's just willing to give, willing to share, we find them so attractive. So even if, even when we talk about like who pays for the first date, right? So it is in the man's advantage to pay for the first date because subconsciously you send a message that, hey, I am able to, I am happy to share my resources. I am able to um, provide for a meal. Again, that's just a meal. You did not you did not buy a house and lot for her, right? It's <laughs> it's just, and it puts forth the intention, which is we are in a romantic um, space. We are not friends that you have to look after you and you have to look after me. Sometimes with friends, you know, it's good to kind of like um, treat them sometime and the next round they take it, right? But dating is very, very, like generosity is very, very important, important in dating because that's how you kind of, um, show people that you are willing to share yourself, that you are willing to love and care for another human being other than yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's um, really good advice. I think there's a lot of very bad advice directed at men nowadays, uh, bad dating advice uh, with a lot of people, but uh, reminding people to be generous, I think is, is super important because um, it's not I think especially amongst men, it's not valued enough socially as something that they should cultivate. Um, so it's really good right. to remind people of that. Thank you, Adati. And I would also like to direct this to women who may be strong, independent, and maybe you're earning more than the man. But the moment that you let the man um, share or when the moment that you let the man take the lead such as like for example let me take the bill right now and not make them feel bad for doing that and do not feel and you you as a woman do not feel like small because like a man paid for your for your meal right it encourages a man to kind of you know like do positive actions for you and it appeals to what psychologists have called the hero instinct you know mm -hmm. men have that and a lot of women uh, fails to kind of tap into that because we feel like, oh, when I'm strong, when I'm independent, they're fall in love with me more. Actually, uh, when you when you look at studies, men really like it when they feel needed. Like you need them not because you kind of need them to survive. You need them because you 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 recognize the difference between a man and a woman. You know that that strength that they bring that you know, just ability to, to kind of that one thing for them to protect another human being. So if you, if you tap to, to those traits that women may also have, but men are happy to do that. So if you do that, then you encourage men to treat you even better. So again, even if you can afford to pay for the first date, if a man volunteers to pay for it, just let them allow it, be allowing, sit down 
and maybe you can do something good for him in the future take him like send him a nice card or a nice meal in the future but at this moment that he wants to pay for it he wants to open the door he wants to pull the chair come on it's okay to feel like a princess because dating is a way to kind of like practice that you know stepping into your femininity and just you know um one of the reasons that I believe Aditi is we are born to have that feminine traits, but because of the demands in life, we have to work, we have to be competitive, we have to be assertive because we want to be respected in the in the workplace, right? But um, when it comes to dating, I feel like compartmentalizing is one of the best things that you can do. That means when it comes to work, I'm this strong, independent woman who can run like a multinational company. But when it comes to dating, I will let my man take the lead if he wants to take the lead because by doing that, I make him feel good. The dopamine release, he would enjoy that and he it will give him a sense of pride that I am able to take care of a woman. And you would mm. see a man who is in love is a man who wants to provide and protect for their woman. Like you, it's very seldom that you find a man who is really, really in love and it's the woman who takes care of them and provide for them in lots of aspects. So give yeah. that man an opportunity to feel like a man. Give them that opportunity to feel like a hero. And that's not just something that's out of a fairy tale book, but that's actually also um, shared um, by social scientists. Yeah, for sure. What are, what, what is, um, uh, what are the challenges um, with uh, practicing generosity? So one of the challenges that um, particularly both men and women would um, would experience when they're practicing generosity is when you interact with the wrong people, there are people who are just out there to take. That's why you have to find someone who wants to share more than like, because there are people who are like born because of the difficulties in life. They're like, they're into the survival mode that they feel like whatever comes into their way, they got to take and take and take. And these are the people who have unhealed traumas, right? Because they, they're still in that, um, like in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're still here. Like they're still thinking about, you know, if I don't take, I'm going to struggle with my basic needs and all that. And even if some people are already rich, they have some sort of that um, mentality that I have to take. And when it comes to dating, they feel like, oh, I would take advantage of this. Like when somebody takes you on a date, you order some of the most expensive thing, which is not even like proper in terms of like social etiquette, right? So one important thing for people who are practicing generosity is being smart about it. That means that if it does not take so much from me, then it's okay especially if you're only dating. When you're in a relationship, sacrificing for your partner is a sign of love. That's one of the ways to operationalize it. When a partner sacrificed for you, maybe in terms of resources, in terms of time, that is a sign that they love you because that's how you could just identify when a person loves you. It's not just a feeling, right? It's that willingness to sacrifice for the person because you love them. But when you are in a dating, since you don't know the person well, you got to be um, like emotional available, but at the same time guarded in a sense that you don't get taken advantage of. So what are the examples of a person who takes advantage is, for example, like when you are on a date and you know that they're that you're paying, that they order the most expensive thing in the menu, you know, yeah. or or for example, like early phase of the dating, they go like, can you send me this amount of money? I mean, these are, it's funny, like Aditi, when you hear about it and you would think, I will never do that. But you would be surprised with the clients that we're working on. Mm -hmm. They feel like when you are the one in that situation, you're going to feel like it's okay to send them money. It's okay to do all this, that. Because love is also a chemical. And there's that um, chemical that, that's why we say love is blind, right? Because your your logic is kind of cloudy when you are in love. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's just think and let's just um, um, let's consider that, you know, I'm in love, so I may not be thinking logically. So let me talk to my therapist. Let me talk to my best friend. Let me talk to a person that I trust and tell them that scenario just to make sure and just to help you stay grounded, that you're not doing a lot of things for a person that you don't even know yet. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love yeah. that you provided um, a problem and then you provided a solution to the problem. So thank you so much Care for sharing. Um, do you have any uh, recommendations of another practice to be combined with this one in order to improve it? Right. So for people also who are in a relationship or for people who are single, one of the ways that you can actually improve your dating experience or keep that relationship, make it a happy relationship is another concept that I that I learned from from Dr. Gottman, which is attunement. And um, for those who, who are not yet familiar with Dr. John Gottman, um, he has been studying and together with his wife, they've been studying um, love and relationship for decades. And um, on top of of um, the study that they've been doing, like they're they've been monitor monitoring 30,000 couples, right? They, they're they able to predict with 94% um, accuracy if a couple will stay together or divorce if they observe them for an hour. So just imagine Aditi. If their team will observe you um, with your couple for an hour, they're able to tell like, you know what? You guys will break up in like a matter of six years or you guys yeah. are able to to keep that relationship and how can they tell how can they predict that they have actually shared the the one of the recipe for that and he called it attunement that means it's it's for example we are a couple it's how we talk to each other for example Aditi I hit my elbow right here and I say ow right a partner or a date who is attuned with you they'll be like oh what happened are you okay but a partner or a date who's not interested or is disconnected with you will just go on doing whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. So this is a call for people in a relationship or people who are dating to pay attention to those details. Pay attention yeah. whenever, you know, um, your partner would tell you something that may seem unimportant. Like, hey, Aditi, like, look at that bird. I really love that bird. And a partner who does not care would be like, oh, yeah, that's nice. But a mm. partner who wants to connect with you emotionally and who values you would say, yes, that bird is beautiful. And then they be, they're going to make you feel as if your opinion and your feelings and whatever you're sharing matters and you matter. Basically, it's just being attuned and replying positively to your partner. That's one of the indicators to tell if our if our relationship will will be happy or will will be um, broken in years time. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm assuming as well that often these interactions are not um, forced or conscious. It's very like immediate. You're not really thinking about it in the moment, which is kind of why it's more of a watching for their response rather than trying to be that person for them. Does that make sense? Right. So it can be because not a lot of not a lot of us know this, right? So I could be a person who's naturally disconnected to a partner. But if I want to improve our relationship, since I learned from social science, which is, for example, Dr. John Gottman saying that when you, when you, um, if you want to improve your relationship, you got to be attuned, then I could take that dating tip, that relationship I, tip. Yeah. And consciously, you, we can always start consciously apply that. And when you keep on doing that, repetition is one of the ways where you could internalize that habit. And mm -hmm. so just get used to paying attention. Just get used to, you know, valuing the little things. Just get used to checking on with your partner. Then if you keep on doing that, that it will become a habit and it will just improve your relationship. So it does not have to be natural at first, but we can always okay. learn and we can always do it repeatedly until it becomes part of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing awesome. that, all of that with us. Um, I know that uh, anyone watching, anyone listening has a lot to work with now when they're kind of going out and, and finding um, the loves of their lives. Yeah. Um, but I've got a couple of questions okay. from the audience now. Are you happy to answer them? I am happy to answer that. Fantastic. Um, the first question is, how do you find the best dating spot? So one of the ways that you could find the dating spot is whenever there is an environment that makes you feel calm, 
All right. So one of the ways, one of the dating spots that you can go to, and I recommend this when you go on a date, are rooftop restaurants or rooftop bars. You know, when you go to a rooftop, what does it make you feel? It makes you feel like I'm on top of the world. Like you can do anything in this world. You know, it has that vibe, right? So when you're on a, on a rooftop um, bar or restaurant on a date, you are in a higher moral ground. You don't feel you don't feel um, low morale. So when it comes to dating, you need to kind of keep that energy up. You kind of keep that vibe up. Like it's the vibe of that you feel good because it's important that when you go on a date, you feel good, right? So mm-hmm. um, we're talking about dating spot, but I'm talking about how does dating spot affect you as a person who's dating? So look yeah. for places that makes you feel calm Relax, definitely nothing noisy, and also mm-hmm. um, somewhere with a dim light because um, scientists have found that when you that's why dim like dinner date is a thing because when you go on dinner dates and it's kind of like dark, the our pupil kind of dilates, so it makes us look more attractive okay. to our okay. date. Yeah, so that's just okay. one of the reasons why we love candlelight dinner. Because when yeah. it's dim, we, you know, and also the flosses of our skin is kind of like. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> that's so makes, true. They can't see the pimple that's right. been on your face all day for sure. Yeah. And it makes us feel like beautiful. Like, oh, I'm so attractive. And when I feel good, I am likely to make my date feel good as well. If I feel trashy, I'm going to be like super insecure or I'm going to find floss too with my date. So it's really yeah. like important to kind of set the right mindset make yourself feel good because when you feel good the people with you will also feel good so that's just how it is yeah no absolutely wonderful answer um this next question is more to do um i i know your background is kind of more social sciences this question is more about neuroscience i think um the question is what happens to the brain when we're dating Okay, so what happens to the brain when we're dating? So again, you're right. This is like more on a new, like a, this question is best um, asked to a person with a with a neuroscience background. But based on what I've learned when it comes to like brain in our brains in love, right? Is when we're dating, our brain releases this hormone. It's called the dopamine, right? Why? Mm-hmm. Because when we're dating, we don't know if it's going to be a yes or a no. You don't know if they like you or they don't like you because you're in the process of finding it out. So you become so addictive in the process. You become so addicted in the process that sometimes we feel like, oh my God, I can't get them off of my mind. Maybe I'm in love. So that's <laughs> yeah. like our that's yeah. like our tendency, right? So this is me telling you that maybe you are not in love. It's just that how your brain works when you're dating. So when you mm-hmm. recognize that it's the chemicals in your brain that makes you feel um, addicted and you should not confuse it with love, then you kind of like think like, oh, maybe I should kind of like reflect if I really like the person or I really like the person because of the chase. Because whenever yeah. I see them, it's like the feel good hormone is going out of, you know, it goes into my body. So I feel so, so addicted and so excited about them. But there are people who excites us, but are not good for us. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's important to kind of like um, reflect and think that, um, and this is a strategy for finding the right one, right? So this is, um, uh, this is when you kind of think like, is that person good for me? Or is that person making me feel excited for the wrong reason? So this is one of the ways where we can avoid ending up with someone who's just gonna, you know, not gonna make us be a better person. So when, when you're dating and you're excited about them, just think that it's your brain giving all you, giving you this feel good chemicals. But also think that um, you have this um, thinking, you have this rational mind that could tell you, is it just the hormones or is it really me falling in love because of their traits? And I genuinely like them more than the chemicals in my brain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Fantastic. And final final question. Um, What are the best conversation starters on a date? So one of the best conversation starters are not 
questions on um, the superficial things, such as where do you work, um, where do you live. The best conversations are usually the conversations that you will not have with regular people. An example would be sharing a secret. So you could be like, you know what? I don't usually tell this to people, but I, since I feel so connected with you, let me share something about myself that I don't usually tell other people. And so when you say that, they'll be like, what is that? Like, I want to know, like they've, yeah. they've become more intrigued, but also they feel special because if you choose to, to, and this is what we call self-disclosure. If you choose to disclose a part of yourself to that person, it makes them feel as if you trust them. So it creates a bond and that bond is something that you will enjoy as you go on with your date. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are the audience questions. You answered them. Okay. Thank you very much. And I know the people who sent these in are going to appreciate um, those I answers so. for sure. Oh, they're wonderful ones. I, I also I was like, I really want to know. So that's all good. Um, we now have our open mic section where I kind of let you have a mini TED talk about whatever you feel was really important to discuss um, at this moment. So Vanessa, what did you have um, to say, uh, I guess, and to, to kind of wrap things up? You're right. So um, for those who just maybe just joined the podcast, I'd like to introduce myself again. I'm Vanessa Antonio. I have devoted um, eight years of my life studying the science of love and dating, and I don't see myself stopping. I could feel and I think I will be doing this for the rest of my life. But why? Um, it's because of my life's mission. My life's mission is making finding love easy. Um, it does just does not make sense for me to, to meet people who are ready to fall in love and wants to find love and are, not un are unable to find love. So I feel like love should be free. Um, love is like one of the, the if not the most um, beautiful experience that you could have in this lifetime. So mm -hmm. one of the ways that we could find love or improve the quality of the relationship and love that we have with other people is using science. So that means instead of just listening to your friends, instead of just listening to your coworkers and getting love advice from your grandparents, although of course they're very useful too, but one thing that will be very helpful is listen to the people who are studying human beings. Because by the end of the day, when you're dating, when you are in a relationship, you are interacting with a human being. And with that comes lots of emotions, lots of thinking patterns. And so when you understand how their brain works, when you understand how to make them happy, when you understand how to meet their needs, the conflicts, the conflict reduces, so you are having better quality relationship with them. So this is me basically encouraging our listeners to kind of use science to improve your relationship. So listen to psychologists, listen to anthropologists, to therapists, to sociologists who are studying human being and. I understand sometimes they put out these journals and they're complicated. So so look for people who who kind of put that in a in a easy to digest um, information. And I feel like that's just one of my life goals. And that's the thing that I'm starting to do. I try to kind of like put those complicated concepts to like easy to understand concepts so that you can apply it the next time you go on a date. You can apply it the next time that you talk to your significant other. So that's just my life commitment because I, I believe me, I understand you. I previously did not like reading those journals and articles. It's very academic. They're complicated. So I tried to kind of put it in a way that people or ordinary person without academic backgrounds could understand it. So I devote my life in sharing science-based dating tips because I want people to find love. So yeah. that's it. And um, in the Philippines, um, I do that mission through uh, my company. It's called Singles Events Manila. So it's basically uh, an organization that brings singles together. So what do what why do we bring singles together? So you don't have to go to weddings, to funerals, to bars to meet single. I just want you guys to know 
who are single and get to know them and see if you guys are compatible. So we do that through our social clubs. And if you feel like it's not really the network that is your problem, like you have a lot of single friends, maybe it's the skills that needs to be improved so you can um, find love or improve yourself. So we do a lot of coaching as well. And when we talk about coaching, I try to kind of anchor our advice based in science because more than my experience, and by the way, my experience is very limited. So I'd love to, I'd, I love to uh, take learnings from social scientists and kind of apply it in your situation. So we have a higher chance of, of solving like a dating problem or helping you find love. So um, we are on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok. It's called Singles Events Manila. And even if it's called Singles Events Manila, we are also serving um, clients all around the world, especially on our coaching. Um, personally, also, I run uh, an Instagram and TikTok where I give science-based tips and a little preview on my life also as a dating coach and a matchmaker. So that is um, Date Coach V, Date Coach V on Instagram and on TikTok. So that's it for that's it for me. Thank you so much, Additive, for having me here. I had fun and um, sharing um, and having this conversation with you. You have no, a great absolutely. smile. Oh, thank you. You have a wonderful <laughs> smile as well. No, um, I think you've had some such wonderful answers to all of the questions. So it's been such a joy chatting to you and I, I've learned so much from you today. Thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Lab. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found at re.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.